2: Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? Good morning. Good morning. So the the Thunder, there's a, there's a lots lots to talk about today, by the way. Lots to talk about. Number one, the Thunder lose to the Spurs at home, 112. To 102, we had Shea with a hyper-efficient night. 20 points on 10 shots, 9 boards, 2 assists. Reminiscent of uh, James Harden, you, almost, you might say. I mean, we, and we, you know what? We may even talk about James Harden on this very show today, which should be maybe my favorite part of the show. Uh, I, I don't know why. She, I mean, I do know why, because I asked Shea last night after the game, like, why did you go away? From, like, why did, why did you only take 10 shots? And he said that to start the game, that they weren't rotating fast enough. And so he felt like he could get to the basket. He said they started rotating faster, and then he could find his teammates. So he was just adjusting to the game. And if that's who Shea is permanently, that's fine. I think it's actually good for like the future of the Thunder, that you don't have this guy that's only looking for himself. Uh, because eventually they would like to have someone that is going to take the 20 shots per game so maybe this is like a good a good way to develop Shay but I'd also like he could have gotten 40 last night if you would have just adjusted his scoring to what they were doing you know what I mean that's kind of what I was getting
3: at and he's like yeah they adjusted and so I just let my teammates do it all yeah no I I agree with that and in fact I was Watching that game, I was thinking back to our conversations at the beginning of the season where we were kind of trying to figure out what is Shea's ceiling. Because, you know, obviously there's a contingent of Thunder fans who think that, you know, maybe Shea could grow into the number one guy on a championship level team.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Others others may think he's more of like a two or even a three on a championship team. Mm -hmm. And... One of my issues was, what is his elite skill? What is the thing, if, he's, if he really is going to reach that superstar status, what is going to be his his thing that he does? Because you look at the elite players in the league, they all have something that makes them stand out. And I didn't really know what it was going to be, because I didn't think it was going to be defense. I don't really think it's going to be shooting, but we'll see. He could always develop there. I didn't know if it was going to be playmaking, because we hadn't really seen that side of him yet. And while I don't think he's going to be elite at that, he has definitely shown a lot more than we probably expected going into the year. But watching that game last night, the thing that I was like, you know what, this could be it, was his ability to get to the free throw line. Hmm. Because it hasn't been necessarily a strength so far. I mean, he got to the line about five times a game last year. He was at about that same amount through these first nine games. And then last night he got to the line nine times, and now he's at 5.7 free throw attempts per game. But you watch the game, and it's so easy for him to get to the rim. And you brought it up on Twitter. Chris Fisher brought it up on the broadcast. He is second in the league in drives, so he has the opportunities. He's driving only behind Luka Doncic. Like That's the only player who takes who does <laughs> yeah. more drives than him. So he's getting the opportunities. If he can develop that skill that James Harden, uh, there he comes, he's back again, that James (laughs) Harden has of drawing fouls, I really do think he could become one of those guys that's averaging upwards of eight to nine free throw attempts per game. Because if you go look at the top 10 in free throw attempts, like listen to these names, Giannis, Trey, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, KD, Luca, Harden, Zion, Steph, and Dame. It's like a murderer's row. Like, if you get into that top 10, you're basically a star. I mean, Zion's the only one that probably isn't at like star level right now because he hasn't been an all star game. And the lowest on that list, which is Dame, he's only at 6.8 attempts per game. And I watching that game last night, like, there's no reason why Shea can't at least get to around seven this year. I feel like that's a reasonable goal for Shea. He's already at 5.7, and maybe that becomes his elite skill. What do you, yeah. what, how, you think that that could make sense?
2: I mean, like pairing that with his ability to change speeds really quickly, and it's and it's different than like like Westbrook was also like a really good guy at changing speeds, and that's how he got to the free throw line. He did it by going much faster. He had this burst of speed. Shea does it by doing the opposite. Like he gets into the lane, he just slows down, and these guys just feel like they just fly by in slow motion, and then he's able to like get to the rim. Uh, and so, if he can time it right, where he's just getting fouled a lot, then I think it's it's absolutely something that he could do. Uh, Shea is also ninth in potential assists per game, which I understand not liking the stat potential assists because it's not it's I don't know I'm I maybe average the most potential miles per per thought, in my family. So I, I think about running all the time. I don't really do it all that much. Uh, these assists are also not a real stat either. But it is showing that he's setting guys up uh, a lot. I mean, ninth in the league in potential assists. It's more than Ben Simmons, more than Kyle Lowry, more than Steph Curry, more than LeBron, more than John Morant when he played. So I think that's also something to watch for because I think there was like a, a sincere question of what, not only, like, what is Shea's elite skill, but is he a point guard? Was a question that we had before this season. And I would say that starting off this season, I think it's a resounding yes, he is a point guard.
3: Yeah, I think he is too. And, but I don't think that precludes you from going and getting another ball handler. You could even get another guard. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, he's not to the level of, like, he doesn't dominate the ball in, like, the way a Trey Young does or even, like, a Luca does. So Mm -hmm. And that's one of the great things about him is that you can fit a lot of pieces in with him. So the idea of bringing in a Cade Cunningham, um, which that dream is seeming farther off, but maybe, we'll see. Um, But somebody like that, I think, could fit in very easily with Shea, and then you'd have two elite ball handlers and playmakers on your team.
2: Yeah, you can't. And in this day and age, you can't have too many guys that can shoot pass and drill.
3: And <laughs> as the just, warriors are showing us.
2: Yeah, you're right. Exactly. That I think that really just versatility is really the next like frontier of the NBA where everybody can do everything. And then how do you game plan for that? And so if the Thunder build this team, they're kind of building a team like that now where like, Basley can do, everything not at an elite level but he you can at least see the path to him getting there Shea does everything uh Dort can I mean Dort can do everything we'll talk about him here in a few minutes uh is a guy that profiles as a guy that can do everything and so if you can just get a lot of those type of guys and Cade Cunningham is one of those guys as well because of his size I mean he can guard fours like he'll be able to guard fours in the NBA uh, and so you could put out these kind of wacky lineups with, with him uh, or with who, whoever they get. You know, Jonathan Kaminga is, is probably not quite as versatile, uh, but he's got really good size and really good potential. Uh, so I, th- I think they would like to build a team that can really do everything.
3: It's amazing to think back to those uh, Katie Russ teams, especially at the end where that was one of the reasons why we were so excited about Dion Waiters, because it was like finally a guy that could potentially play both ways. He plays on both sides of the floor. Like, how cool is this? I know. Because at the time we had, you know, Cantor, we had Robertson. Like, there were so many guys who only played on one half of the court Anthony Morrow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, we also we was, used to always play the game, like if you could combine two Thunder players, two Thunder role players, <laughs> to create one actually good Thunder role player, <laughs> would it be <laughs> And I think that kind of lends itself to the way that we think about Lou Dort because I think that we just have like Andre Robertson, PTSD, when it comes to Lou Dort, and he's shooting the ball really well. And I think mostly everybody is still like yeah, I don't really believe it. Uh, he's a thunder shooting guard. <laughs> there's there's no way that he's actually going to be a good shooter, and he he's doing it. I night in night out. like he first play of the game, first offensive play of the game for the Thunder, he makes a three, and he's made a three in all ten games. I don't know if there was ever a stretch in Andre's career where he hit a three in ten games in a row. And it doesn't seem unsustainable, and it doesn't seem like it's not going to continue to happen. Of course, there's going to be a night where he goes like, "Oh4. That happens to everybody. That happens to Clay Thompson. That happens to Steph Curry. That happens to everybody. Uh, so like, Lou Dort's not like precluded from that happening to him. But man, there's something, there's something there with Lou Dort. There's a lot, there's a lot more than, than maybe what we initially thought with him.
3: Yeah, and even last year when he was shooting, you know, 26% from three or whatever it was, we still noticed that it felt different than Robertson because he was so much more willing to take those shots, especially as we we saw in the playoffs <laughs> when he took a ton of threes. Um he looked way more confident and his form has never looked terrible. Like it's his shot has never looked broken. Like mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't look like Steph Curry, but he looks like he can shoot a three-pointer consistently, like he has a consistent shot. And so seeing what he's doing this, this year, obviously it still feels like fool's gold in some ways. Like, is he really going to shoot over 40%? Is he really going to jump 14 percentage points in just a short amount of time? But on the other hand, he had, we, it's still a small sample, like his, his entire career, like that 26% he shot last year, that was only in 36 games. So it's probably not representative of who he is. So let's give it more time and, and see where it where it ends up. Yeah, I tweeted this last night, and this still kind of blows my mind that he has the
2: most made threes on the team through ten games.
3: Yeah, I would have never guessed that.
2: I mean, if you were if somebody asked you before the season, hey Alex, would you bet fifty dollars to win five hundred dollars on him making the most threes through ten games?
3: I mean, I I mean, I'm a gambler. That's pretty good odds right there. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I would have told you, Alex, you're flushing fifty bucks down the toilet. It's just going to be gone. Well, that's fine. That's your. That would be your opinion. But those are great odds. <laughs> it would have been my opinion, and it's it's wild to me. It's only by it's by two two made threes, all, only behind Mike Muscala here, who's made 19
3: on the season. Um, but, but yeah, would have, I would have. Yeah, go ahead. I would I would have said Shea, George Hill, Baisley because of what he did in the bubble. Yeah, I might have even said Al Horford first, maybe Muscala first. Yeah, without a doubt,
2: without a doubt, I, I would have said that. But no, it's Lou. He just continues to play a really, really good basketball, and he's not. And it's not like it was in the bubble even where there's no defense on him and you just throw the ball to him and, and he's just wide open and he has to either shoot it or the offensive possession dies. I mean, that's that's what the options were. And that's why he had to shoot it so many times. And like, I think it was game five and game seven that Lou just shot a ton and there were opposite results. Game five, he just missed everything. And then game seven, he made everything. Uh, it's I don't know, the defenses are adjusting and they're guarding him and he's still making them. And he's he's has a level of confidence that I would say for a role player or for a young guy is not super common. Um, and certainly not common among guys that the Thunder have had at that spot.
3: Yeah, although the one thing he does share in common with some of these under Thunder players, which is unique to this team, is how many guys are willing to, to drive the basketball to the rim. Mm-hmm. Between Dort, Baisley, obviously SGA, we talked about and Hami, like those are four guys who are confident in their ability to catch the ball in the wing and drive it in and see what happens. And they're, you know, they're not all great at it. They're not all great finishers yet. Um, I think obviously Shea's the best of the bunch, but those other three guys are all getting better. I mean, Hami has had some layups in these past couple games. That have been super impressive just in mm-hmm. terms of using his strength, using his speed, using his athleticism, which we've always known he's had to make yep. some really nice finishes at the rim.
2: Yeah, I I don't think I don't know that Ham is a guy yet. I don't know that we can declare that uh, guy watch 2021 last night proved that he's not. But he's. He's showing quite a bit, and there were, there's, he still has his moments. Like, he's got tunnel vision. Like, I, I think he's passed to Pokushevsky once all season. Uh, and he gets tunnel vision, and it's Hami time and whatever. But the guy has been productive. I mean, he's shooting 55% from the field on the season. Uh, he doesn't shoot threes. He's only shot 11. Uh, he's a little over one per game, which is fine. Like, you still have to take them. In my opinion, like you still have to, if you're going to be on the wing, you have to at least take him when you're wide open. And he's only made three, uh, but to me, that's fine. He's shooting well, well above what he has been in the past, uh, and he's getting to the free throw line and making his free throws. I've been impressed with him. He's he gets out on the break. He's very efficient in the fast break. So I think I think there's much more of a path to him being. Uh, an NBA player than I thought even five games ago. He really has shown improvement and he's talked about how he collaborates with his teammates. And I think that that's, that's super important.
3: Yeah. And I think two huge developments, one being on a team that's taking 43s per game, I think is really helping a player like Hami Mm -hmm. because in the past couple of years, they were doing like the Robertson thing with them. We're just like stick them in the corner. And we were having to watch these corner homie threes, mm-hmm. which would, were just all over the place. And now because there's so, there's so much more space on the floor, he's actually getting to showcase what he does well, which is using his athleticism to get to the rim or in some cases to take mid range shots, which he is all of a sudden very confident in. Yeah. I don't know if that's a great shot selection going forward, but I'd, it's it's interesting to see because we hadn't really seen that before this year.
2: Yeah, it's it's strange how, how well he's doing. He's 22 he's only 22% from 10 to 16 feet on the season. So, uh he doesn't take up he doesn't take many shots from there. He hasn't this season. They're more of like the 3 to 10 feet variety and he's shooting 50% from 3 to 10 feet. And he's shooting 76% at the rim. That's and that that won't that won't stay, but
3: man, it's it's really impressive.
2: It's but that's why,
3: like, when you talk about, you know, if we're being real about Hami, where could he fit in a future team? Playing down low, even though he doesn't necessarily look like a power forward, but mm-hmm. playing around the basket does seem to be where he would be best utilized because he really does have some skill around the basket, as we've seen this year.
2: He does. Yeah, I think his, his ultimate destiny is to keep getting stronger, which he has every year, and then to be a backup four and just come off the bench, be a change of pace guy. And he can break down. Like, he can't break down everybody off the dribble. Like there's probably few like good wing defenders that he could take to the basket, but he could probably take most every single backup four in the NBA um, off the dribble to the basket and get fouled, or at least get close enough to the rim to score. So I'm I feel pretty confident in that as just an ability that he has. And then obviously he's he's a chaos creator uh, on the defensive end, good or bad, and then uh, can create in transition. So yeah, he's doing things. He's making some things happen, which which is good because not not every guy does that. Not every player in the nba does that uh the thunder currently sit at five and five there they would be in the play-in game if the season ended today thank god it does not end today uh the thunder are 14th in pace in the league their offensive rating is a 103.6 which is 28th in the nba their defensive rating is 10th in the nba at a 108.2 uh negative 4.6 net rating this is all from basketball reference by the way which will be different than nba.com um, I don't exactly remember what the difference is, but they are different. Uh, so, you know, the and the schedule is about to get really tough. They play the Lakers tonight, and the Lakers, this, this maybe could lead us into a conversation, um, but the Lakers just stomped the Rockets last night, just absolutely stomped them. And so LeBron and AD didn't have to play very much, and so the Lakers come to town tonight. And so I'm interested to see, if LeBron and AD play. I think they will. I was talking to Mo DeKiel last night um, for the Daily Ding, and he was saying that LeBron has played all his back-to-backs. So hopefully we get to see LeBron in OKC tonight. And, you know, that's, that's another tough game for, for this Thunder team. I mean, you talk about the end of this month. Lakers, Bulls, Sixers, Nuggets, Clippers, Clippers, Portland, Suns, Nets. Like, that's tough. Like, Chicago's not very good, but they've been playing better. Like, there's no truly bad team in there. You know, there's not a Charlotte in there. There's not an Orlando in, in there. I mean, that's, that's a tough end of this month. So I'm, I'm curious as to how they'll finish. I think that we feel like we know a ton about this team. I think we'll know a lot more at the end of this month, like, truly what this team is.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
3: Yeah, I I agree. Some of these matchups are going to be really difficult, especially that stretch from... Denver to Phoenix because those are all on the road. That's a five-game road trip in the it, it, towards the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the ones I'm looking forward to just because who knows what it'll look like by that point. February first and February third back to back, both at home <laughs> against the Houston Rockets. Who will we be playing?
2: <sighs> That's a great question. How long do you think this lasts? Because uh, and James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> he gets on post game and it's kind of like starts revving him up a little bit. Like Kelly, Eco asks him a question about, you know, what this team is and how far away they are. And he's like, yeah, we're pretty far away <laughs> from where we need to be. Uh, and then I can't remember who it is. Mark Berman, I think asked him another question about the team and he just, says they're just not good. Let me find let me find the quote, because it's pretty spectacular. Uh, I just can't believe he said it. I mean, I honestly was just in shock. Okay, he said, we're just not good enough. I love this city. I literally have everything, everything that I, I've done everything that I can. I mean, the situation is crazy. It's something that I don't think can be fixed. And then he said, thanks, and got up from the podium and left.
3: Yeah, I mean, first things first, shout out to the Houston Rockets because before the season there was a report that they said that they were willing to get awkward. They were they were willing to go in the season, and they have kept their promise. They have kept their promise. Yep. It has been extremely awkward. This was obviously the height of it. I mean, we just haven't seen something like this in a long time with this level of player. coming out and and being this direct with everyone because as as you well know we follow a few Rockets accounts there were still Rockets fans holding out hope and actually putting a lot of uh, a lot of their eggs in this Lakers game basket hoping that okay we're at home if we can play well against the Lakers maybe that will show James that this team is real like this (laughs) team is is worth sticking around for oh
2: it's so (laughs) sad
3: Maybe he will see the brilliance of Christian Wood and rehab John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie coming off the bench, and he will realize, you know what, this team can do In fact, this team is better than any Houston team that has ever stepped on the floor with James Harden. Christian Wood is the best big man he has ever played with. And if that was the case, if James Harden really was using that, game as any kind of uh like marker for how the team is doing it was about as brutal as it could go yeah because not only do they get blown out for most of that game but the Lakers were just like playing with them like LeBron oh. took that <laughs> LeBron took that three immediately turned around didn't even watch it go in it was great seeing Schroeder there on the bench just getting so excited oh yeah it Like, they were just destroying them all night. Like, mentally, mentally destroying them. Harden
2: absolutely tanked that game. Maybe he was reading the comments section. Maybe he was on Twitter trying to figure out what are these Rockets fans thinking? Oh, they think that this game is a barometer? Okay. Okay. I'm just going to tank this game. And even John Wall said as much after the game. And John Wall, somebody that doesn't, he, he just talks, like he just gets on a mic and he just talks, uh, which is great. It's great for content and it's great for this specific Rockets team because if that were Russell Westbrook, like what would Russ be saying? Probably not a whole lot. And so it's kind of hilarious that they traded for probably the guy in the league that's going to hop on the mic and actually tell the truth. And so he just said, yeah, he said it's really hard when when certain guys aren't bought in he's basically just saying like, it's really,
3: it is really hard to play with James Harden.
2: (laughs) It's really hard to be out there with them.
3: Yeah. I mean, well, we've heard stories even when Harden was good at his peak that he's a tough player to play with because he dominates the ball so much. We're even hearing those stories coming out of Atlanta now with Trey Young. So imagine if you had that sort of player getting that sort of usage and they don't care. So, you're still like running the offense through them, running it around them, but they do not care what happens. Like, that would be one of the toughest situations to play in, which is why I think they have to sit hard in one because you don't want him to get injured. I mean, he's already been tanking his trade value, but you don't want to make it worse. If he gets injured, then you're just screwed. Like, if he tore his ACL or something terrible like that. And you had, he was going to have to rehab for a year. Like that would be the worst case scenario for Houston. So you have to sit him for that reason alone, but also like you have to give your brand new head coach and these players you brought in a chance and you're not giving them a chance right now. You're killing the team by letting James Harden play. You brought in this coach, Steven Silas, who everyone likes. He's been a really well-respected assistant coach for over a decade and you're sticking him in this situation that everyone agrees like Harden agrees <laughs> John Wall agrees like it's not fixable so like why do we keep trying to do it and i think if they just took him out of there you know i don't think this team without james harden is the worst team in the league i just don't like they still have enough nba players where maybe they're not a playoff team but they're going to be able to start building something even if it's just silas being able to put in his offense But as long as you're letting James Harden on the court, it's going to be not just awkward, but like detrimental to your team.
2: (laughs) That's why they have to trade him. Like, just trade him already because the leverage that they had, they have destroyed. And it's probably out of just like maybe ignorance, I guess would be the word, or just like lack of experience, right? Because you have this brand new GM who's never done this before. He's never he's never been a part of a team that had to trade your number one guy. Like they, yes, they have traded uh, Russell Westbrook. Yes, they have traded uh, Chris Paul. Sure, but you always had the backstop of James Harden, where no matter what happened, like you were going to win fifty games and you were still going to look good at the end of the day. Uh, they've never had to trade this guy, this kind of guy, and so the lack of experience there is really showing because they thought, oh, okay, we're going to let this get uncomfortable okay, well, your leverage is gone. Your leverage is absolutely gone. And this is why you can look at what Sam Presti did and like genuinely praise it with all the superstars that he's had to trade because he worked with them directly. He worked with their agents and was like, hey, listen, we understand what the situation is. If we will try to find a destination for them, which where would you like for them to go? And none of this leaked out because it didn't have to right? it didn't have to leak out because a lot of times, and this is how the NBA works, is if a player's not getting what they want from a team, that's when they call Woj. That's when they call Shamshirania and say, hey, listen, here are the teams that we would like to go to. I mean, they've been directly leaking it to the athletic. Hey, (laughs) here's the new list (laughs) because they aren't listening. Here's the new list. This is where we want to go. Listen up, other teams that we're not supposed to be talking to. Put together a package and call the Rockets because this is where we want to go. I mean, that's that's why you don't want it to get there. That's why Sam did what he did. And it didn't hurt the trade value. So I've seen even Rockets fans like say it's ridiculous to think that you have to trade James where he wants to go. Well, it did not hurt the Thunders' trade whenever they traded with the Rockets, with Russell Westbrook. It didn't hurt it. It didn't hurt the, the quote-unquote levers that you think you have whenever you have – that you think you have when you have to go where the, <clears throat> where the players want you to go. Like, it didn't hurt the Thunder with the Clippers. It gave the Thunder a target and said, hey, we'd like to get a deal done. And the Thunder still maintained leverage. And those were still unique circumstances, but – I think the Rockets probably had a chance to create one of those circumstances for themselves, even if it were the Nets. Because I think the Nets were probably in a circumstance and they may and they may be now still where you can just take a ton of draft capital from them. And who knows what that looks like? Who knows? Like is Kyrie Irving going to retire in a week? Is that what we're is that the mm-hmm. NBA that we're headed toward? Where Kyrie Irving's like, yeah, I think I'm just done. Like, would anybody be surprised at this point? If Kyrie just said, "Yeah, I, I, I think I'm done playing basketball. I'd, I'd like to do a lot more in this world," like that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And so, if you're the Nets, to me, you need to try to make a deal. And if you and if the Nets can get a do-over where you trade Irving to Houston,
3: I think they should do it asap. I know. Perk tweeted that out last night. Yeah, and of course, you know it, it's Perk, so you're like, oh, he might just be saying this. But at the same time, it's like, well, wait, hold on. Why is Kyrie out? Like, what if this were true? What if this rumor that Perk randomly brought up yesterday of Harden for Kyrie is true? And the reason why Kyrie's gone is because he heard about it and he's pissed, which I think he would be. Yeah. And he probably wouldn't want to be playing. I don't know. But I, I'm sure from Houston's perspective going into this season, their calculus was, look, we have an example with Anthony Davis where they let things get uncomfortable and they still got a huge haul for their player. I mean, it was bad. He wore the, that's all folks shirt. It was, it was all the questions after those games. That team was going nowhere. (laughs) The the difference though, is that there was always the Lakers, the Lakers were always there. And you always knew that the Lakers had a package with a ton of young guys, a ton of picks. that was always going to be available. Mm -hmm. That team doesn't really exist in this scenario. I mean, I guess you could say it's the Nets, but that Nets package is nowhere near what the Lakers package was. Like they can't even get to that level of what the Lakers package was. And the further this goes on, it it does feel like his trade value is diminishing. I don't know by how much, but it's it's going to need to be a team that is struggling this year and it feels some pressure to do something. And I don't think that team anymore is the Sixers. Like the Sixers... M Embiid could win the MVP this year. They're the third best record in the league right now at eight and four. They're looking pretty good. That starting lineup is amazing. Mm -hmm. So like, who's it going to be? Who's the team that's really struggling? You might say the Raptors, but again, we've talked about that one before. Like it would have to be Siakam. And then you have a team with Harden, Lowry and Van Vliet. I don't know if that's really what they want to do.
2: Be a lot better than what they have now though.
3: It would be. And then the other team you look at in the West who's been struggling is the Nuggets. <laughs> Harden certainly isn't going to solve their defensive issues. They're not trading for James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem like the t- type of team that would trade for James Harden. So I don't know who that team is going to be because I feel like everyone else can talk themselves into like, we like our team right now. Let's see how it goes. Sure. Yeah. I don't
2: either. I, I don't. I, I think I've always thought that Brooklyn will just be the team that will get it done. And I think what you really have to lean on is just the draft, like kick the can as far down the road as you can with draft picks and get them unprotected. Like that's, that that's what the big ones have to be, right? Like that's, that's your big pieces. Like Karis LeVert, really nice player. He has to be in the trade. Uh, Karis LeVert is just dragging you to the middle. You know, like that's, it's not where you want to be. Uh, so, and Jared, like Jared Allen's been surprisingly good this year as well. And so if he's included in the trade and like, honestly, like removing those two and adding James Harden, like talent wise, yes, huge upgrade talent wise. But like what exactly does that do for the nets as far as championship contention? Like you had, they'd have to replace Jared Allen somehow. Right. I mean, I guess maybe you get PJ Tucker in the trade. Like you have to slide PJ Tucker in the trade too. And then maybe you're, you're much better.
3: Yeah. Um, but I, and and I look at other teams like, You know, Orlando, especially now that Fultz is out, like maybe they tell themselves like, oh, this is something we could do. But after seeing that press conference last night where James Harden comes out and says, we're not good enough. Like, (laughs) if you're Orlando, do you really want to bank on being good enough, quick enough for James Harden not to do the exact same thing to you? I just I don't know how this ends. I don't know. Obviously, it ends with him not being a rocket, but. I feel like there there was a chance before the season where I truly felt like they're going to get a haul for James Harden and this is going to work out as well as it can work out and things will be fine in Houston like their team will be good enough that they're not going to be tanking because I don't think they've never really been a franchise who's tanked. Yeah. And so they'll be fine. They're going to get a ton of picks if they could get a player like Ben Simmons. And now, a play, getting a player like Ben Simmons or a Jalen Brown seems so far away right now.
2: Oh yeah, the Celtics, it's funny like the Celtics wouldn't entertain a Jalen Brown for James Harden trade.
3: Right. So like, who is the
2: piece? Like, the, I don't think there's a piece left. <laughs> I know that's why, and that's why I just keep going back to the Nets, where the Nets are saying like, hey.
3: Still here. still here. Still. One of our, one of our guys partially tore ACL that we were gonna include in the trade, but <laughs> we still have the only offer. Right. I know.
2: I know, man. And he still may be a part of the trade, anyways, just to make the money work.
3: Right. So it's it's terrible. I, you know what you know what I was thinking about last night is the 2016-17 MVP like discussion. <laughs> Which was yeah. not really a discussion, it was more of a fight. Mm-hmm. And every day, Thunder fans and Rockets fans logged on to Twitter.com and just argued for 24 hours straight for about <laughs> a for about a three month period. We yep. took our sides and we defended our guy every single day for 24 hours a day. And <laughs> you know, you you give the enemy the Rockets fans credit. Like they defended their guy that entire time. They mm-hmm. always stuck up for James Harden. They always were on the side of, like, the national media is crapping on this guy. He's so amazing. it was the best score of all time. And for it to end like this just has to be so gutting. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, who cares? Like, these are professional athletes. We don't really know them. But these fan bases invest a lot of, like, mental energy in supporting our players. I mean, we we did it with Russell Westbrook, and they did it with James Harden. And for him to just like come out and say, Hey, I love this city, but uh it's over, can't be fixed. That's the story. And I'm the, I'm not gonna stop eating until I'm traded. <laughs> I'm going to the Chinese buffet until you trade me to Brooklyn. Yeah, that's that's killer, man. It is. That is it, killer. It is awful. And you know, the Thunder era
2: didn't end with the championship. It didn't end like we had hoped it would, but Sam Presti has a vision for the future with this team and could see beyond like, okay, like if this Russ Paul George thing doesn't work, like what can we possibly do? I think they had gone through those exercises already and knew where it was going to go. And they had a plan and they had an exit strategy for the team and they're still executing it to this day. I mean, they still need to find a landing spot for George Hill. They still need to find a landing spot for Al Horford uh, to really get where they want to be and you can see the future with this team now if they don't get like four first round picks and like, a pick swap for James Harden like a nice young player it's gonna be brutal because then who's you don't really have anybody to build around and like people really think Christian Wood is great and he puts up nice stats but I feel like he's just a giant Ramon Sessions out there putting up great stats. I don't know how good he actually is. And I say this since people have been killing me for it, but it's true. Like somebody has to score the points. I mean, it's just a reality of the NBA. And Hamadou Diallo has been one of the guys for the Thunder that has scored the points recently. And that's great. And he's shown some ability there. Like you have to have some ability to score the points. But the truth is that most guys in the NBA have the ability. I mean, look at... Look at Miami's box score last night. They didn't have they, they didn't have enough guys to to play this game. Uh, but a guy named Gabe Vincent, you ever heard of him? Mm. Gabe Vincent scored 24 points in the game last night. 24 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals. Is he a guy? I don't know who he is. He hit a shot down the stretch of that game. And I watch the NBA every single night. Every single night I'm on league pass. And I watched him and I genuinely said I don't have any idea who that is. <laughs> I, I text I text the guys that were doing the ding last night, like I said, I where are these guys coming from? Like I just I genuinely don't know who they are. <laughs> and the truth is, like, all these guys that make it to the league have a ton of skill. And all these guys can have a night where they go off. And Christian Wood is finding ways to consistently score. I just wonder if he ultimately is a guy that impacts winning. Because that's where it's really rare. Like, yes, all these guys can shoot, pass, dribble, score, do everything. Yes, great, given the opportunity. But can you impact winning? Like, that's what separates guys that make the league from, like, stars in the league. And so I just don't know if there's anybody on that Rockets team outside of James Harden that can
3: really do that. Yeah, and looking forward, I mean, this is just setting up perfectly for the Thunder, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's, it is
2: outrageously perfect like embarrassingly perfect
3: like beyond our wildest dreams perfect I would have never guessed this would have happened (laughs) never never and honestly the the reason I would have never (sighs) guessed it is because Harden plus guys is worth 50 wins in the NBA and until that wasn't true I just didn't see any reason why Harden like they were always going to be good enough for him to tell himself okay maybe this team can do it
2: hmm
3: and but he decided clearly in his mind over this past summer like this team is going nowhere, which you know, I probably would have agreed with him, but they they if he really was trying, they probably could have won 50 games this year.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: instead he is not trying. that stat from StatMuse just blew me away that he has scored 20 points or less in four straight games for the first time since Oklahoma City, which was so long ago. When he was coming off the bench yeah, coming off the bench. like that is crazy because I haven't been watching a ton of Rockets games this year, um or at least in the last couple of days. And so I didn't I had heard that he was kind of dogging it, but man, to see those stats like that, and then to see some of the images and he's really going all out. like he's doing his best to get out of Houston. And from his perspective, like you mentioned, he's probably thinking like I told them this two months ago. They've had two months to get a deal done. I expanded my destination list. Like, what else do you guys need? Like, like I'm not staying here. Like, let's get it done. Yep. So I get it. I I feel like he's taking it up a notch, though.
2: Yeah. Oh, he's taking it up a notch. It's very exciting. It should make for. I I mean, I think it's probably best that Houston move on from him quickly. For a host of reasons, but I think that it may actually happen.
0: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't <laughs> want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: Let's talk a little bit about what George Hill had to say after the game last night. So the NBA met yesterday, came up with some new COVID protocols. It's basically that if you're at home, you're just staying where you are and you're doing team stuff. And if you're on the road, you're either doing team stuff or you're at the hotel, right? Like that's it. And you can't, they were allowing guests, which thought didn't make a whole lot of sense to begin with. (laughs) Why are you welcoming these other people into the lives of these players? And they also had like a list of approved restaurants for the guys. I think that they were just trying to make things as palatable as possible and as normal as possible for these guys. And that's just proven to be something that's, it just doesn't work in this COVID world right now. And last night the players were asked after the game, what they thought, about the new covid safety protocols. And for the most part like Shay was asked the same question, Hami was asked the same question, they were both just saying like yeah, I just I th- I think that this is what is necessary that we want to get rid of this, we want to try to do the best we can, we want to play the game, we'll do whatever they tell us to do. Uh, George Hill was asked and he said that he doesn't understand the rules. And I think that there's merit in in some of the stuff he said, so he said, we can sweat for 48 minutes with a guy next to us for 48 minutes, but we can't talk to them afterwards. It makes no sense like that. Yeah, I get that. Makes total sense. Like no, no handshakes, none of that, but absolutely play as ho- the best defense that you can <laughs> okay. on these guys while breathing heavily. Uh, and then he went on to say, I'm a grown man. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I want to see my family, I'm going to see my family. They can't tell me that I have to stay in a room 24-7. If that's serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. But it's life. No one is going to be able to just cancel their whole life for this game. I don't know if that means that George Hill is going to Trevor Ariza the team, because that's certainly an option for him. With this particular squad, I don't think the Thunder are going to say, yeah, man, you have to play. I think if he said he wanted to do what Ariza's doing and just go home, I think they would say, you know what? That's okay. Like You've proven enough. <laughs> you've, you've shot the ball well enough for us. That's okay. I don't know that he's going to do that, but I understand how he feels because, and George Hill's not going to be the guy that's going to step out and, and go Partying like James Harden, and I don't think that he's going to put himself out there in a, a giant group like Kyrie Irving did. I don't think that's the guy that we're talking about. He's just a guy that wants to be able to spend time with his family outside of the game.
3: Yeah, and yeah. I think the reason why it's different for him is because you know he was traded here just a couple weeks before the season started. Yep. I'm assuming that his family did not pack up and buy I live a house in market in Oklahoma exactly. City. Yeah. So it is different for him compared mm-hmm. to like a Shea or, or Baisley or Dort who have yeah. been living in Oklahoma City for some time now. And if they had any family, they're going to, you know, they're, they're, they've they're established roots at this point. Mm-hmm. So I totally get it from George Hill's perspective. And maybe a Trevor Reza absence, like, makes sense for him at some point. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it really does become a thing where he can't even go and see his family because he would be violating the NBA rules, which in his mind are pretty arbitrary, given that he's playing on a basketball court with guys from different teams every single night. But um, so so I I get it from his perspective. And I don't think there's an easy answer. I think he has to make the best decision for him. And maybe that is just leaving the team for a little for a little while.
2: Yeah, I mean, if he even if he was just like, hey, listen, I just want to see my family. Like, give me that option. Like, let me go for a week and stay in Indiana or wherever his family lives. I, I would guess they still live in Indiana. Uh, let me go. And I think that they would say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like,
3: and then you just, if, if he wants to come back, you do the quarantine procedures and get yeah. him back on the court.
2: And yeah, I feel, I feel for him. Cause this, it's not, it's not easy. And especially being separated from your family and the NBA saying, yeah, you got to be separate. Yeah, I get it. And it's, and what can be frustrating like it's all in the name of the dollar right like oh, this for sure. league is about money it's about making money and george hill is he's profiting greatly from it you know he's making 9 million dollars this year that's but still like in these trying times when this world is as difficult as it is like sometimes like family is the only thing that like truly matters and like can truly make an impact like just like health wise, like mental health wise for you, like those making money is great, and I and I think that there's, but that's it only goes so far with like mental health stuff, right? Sure, it can make you feel better, it can make you more secure, make you more at ease with certain things in life, but I get it, like I get wanting to see your family, wanting to be around them, so I I just can't I I can't fault him for that, and and all of these moves are to, to trudge through. This season, and that's the NBA sent a clear message yesterday, and it's that let's trudge through this NBA season. This is the sacrificial lamb year for the NBA. Let's get it over with no matter how it goes, no matter if Gabe Vincent has to play 40 minutes a game for three weeks. We don't care. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We don't care. Let's get through it so that one, we can get back on the schedule that we want to be on. And just move forward. And that's what the NBA has said to all these players is like, hey, we don't really care. What we care about is our bottom dollar and we care about our T V deals. And we wanna just we wanna get get rid of this season as fast as we can. So we're gonna postpone the games that we have to. And otherwise, we're just gonna move forward. And if the teams are unrecognizable, I mean the Heat were largely unrecognizable last night against the
3: Literally. (laughs) Like literally recognize a guy.
2: <laughs> I did not recognize several guys on the court for them. <laughs> then they say we don't really care. Like we're just gonna keep going. And there's gonna be t- like the Thunder are doing it really well. The Thunder are doing it very well. And but it doesn't mean too- that
3: <laughs> too. Well, like all these <laughs> teams are getting hit by COVID, and the Thunder are like the last team standing, like which is awesome. But like we haven't had one player miss. No. They've been healthy this entire time, which is, again, awesome. But Mm -hmm. they're getting a competitive advantage because of it. They
2: are. Yeah, keeping your players on your team happens (laughs) to be uh, one of
3: the things that helps you win games now, uh, which is wild. But I I, I will say, I do think the good news for George Hill is that he is with an organization that is both very responsive to their players – Yes. Like we, we all know the thunder organization is really good with their players and working with them behind the scenes, but also there's not a ton of pressure on him either. It's not exactly. like he's playing for one of these contenders where a two week or three week absence could really make a difference one way or the other. Um, so I, I think that's good. There's a lot of flexibility there with George Hill. And so I mm-hmm. think in, at least in his case, it'll probably get worked out one way or the other.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he, he's going to get traded too. At some point, I don't know when it could even be today. Who knows? The The dude is going to go to another team and that flexibility that exists with the thunder may not exist for very long. And I think also part of the hope is that like we are in some of the darker times with regards to COVID today, where the vaccine has not caught up with where it, the country wants it to be. And the numbers are just surging. Because I think in part because the vaccine is here, I think people have just completely let go of the rope. And so I yeah. think that we're, we're, we're just in some – the hope is that we are in some of the darkest days. Now, is that true? I don't – I can't say whether or not that's true. Um, but the hope is that this is these are some of the darkest days. And once we get into March, April, May, like things start to look a lot better.
3: Yeah, I mean – I can tell you from my own personal experience, I am a student at an academic hospital and we were expecting, you know, I'd be like the lowest risk group. So I was expecting not to get my vaccine until like wave six, which was going to be in April, which yeah. I was fine with. And then all of a sudden, two weeks ago, they were like, Oh, we have enough vaccine for to vaccinate everyone, every employee, every student. And so I was able to get mine last week, which is very exciting because mm-hmm. that means that the vaccine supply is starting to build up here in Portland and starting to be distributed. Um, so I, I am hopeful that the vaccine is distribution is ramping up significantly. Yeah. And so hopefully within the next one to two months, we're going to reach some critical mass point where it's going to make a difference based on how many people are vaccinated. But until then, yeah, it is really scary. And I think we just have to give everyone some leeway like a George Hill to not, um, get too angry at with with them cuz i'm sure it's been a really tough season for him.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And it's and it's so much easier like we can compare George Hill to Hami and to SGA, but these are young single guys that live here. And it really is probably no big deal for them. Like it's probably no big deal for Darius Baisley, where he just like I want to go home and play video games, you know, like that's, that's what I do. And I get on Instagram. Uh, that's just the life they live And George Hill's life is a lot more complicated than that. Alex, as of today, you go to tankathon.com and the thunder will receive two picks in the top 10 as of today, but neither of them are their own pick. Insane, <laughs> which is wild. They would get the rockets pick, which would be the fifth pick in the draft. And the Miami's pick, which is the 10th pick in the draft, and then they would have to swap with Houston at 14. Honestly, great
3: scenario for Houston. <laughs> like, if they could come out of this season with a lottery pick, that'd be uh, pretty great for them. I
2: mean, I don't know where the Thunder will be at the end of this season. I think that they're going to lose a lot of games in the next two months. But there's still there's a lot of games to be played, and all these teams are very much clumped together. And I think like teams that I think for sure will be worse than the Thunder, Detroit, I think, will be worse because they've already gotten off to such a horrific start. They're 2-8. and eight. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves will be a really awful team. Like so awful that the Golden State should be a little bit worried about them not getting that pick. I think Toronto will get things together. I think Washington, unless they're forced to trade Bradley Beal, will start to get things together. Chicago currently has a worse record than the Thunder. I think that they'll get things together. Memphis, maybe Memphis is a team that's right there with the Thunder, right?
3: Yeah. All their injuries. Which for them, like this could set up beautifully where if they got a top pick in this draft and now they have Triple J, Ja, and whoever they get, like that would be an insane young core. It really would. It really, really would uh cleveland
2: i think is a bubble on the bubble of whether they're going to be better or worse than the thunder i think they're probably better uh at the end of the day uh but they've played super horrible the last few games for them uh new orleans has a worse record than the thunder i think they're better new york i think is right there with okc and currently the thunder have the same record as the nuggets <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and the kings which i think the kings are probably slightly better than the thunder but not like much better than thunder so i there's a lot of teams there's going to be lots of teams in the mix i think the thunder was, are still going to hope to get in the top 5 which man like this this draft i've been watching a few of these guys it's tr- it's going to be really it really i do think is going to be a special draft there's a lot of really interesting guys i'm really excited for the G League bubble to start because I really want to see what Kaminga and Jalen Green can do I think that those two Cade Cunningham Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs I think the Thunder hope to get one of those five guys in this draft
3: yeah that's how I'm feeling right now as well and that's what Sam Bassini he just did his first mock or I guess it's 2.0 mock and those were his top five as well Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of those guys that were there have fallen off. I mean, BJ Boston being the biggest one. Um, yeah, but there there are still other guys in the draft that I'm excited about. I, even though he's been up and down, I still like Zaire Williams. Just he he looks like he can he's going to be an NBA player, and with his shooting, he's if he fills out his frame, like I just think that he's very raw right now. And I'm, I'm, but I'm excited for what he can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's just some like weird guys like Moses, Moses Moody and uh, Scotty Barnes, like just really interesting guys. Um, So I I think it's going to be a really fun draft. Now on the back end, Andrew, of Tankathon, Golden State currently in 18th, in the 18th spot. (laughs) If they would have won last night, Thunder would have their pick. I know. I was rooting for him. I know. They really blew it in the fourth quarter.
2: <laughs> How could you Steph curry?
3: And currently they are behind uh Charlotte. And if that is the way this ends up, Charlotte preventing us from keeping our pick after we <laughs> after we poo-pooed Charlotte all year. I'm gonna feel like an idiot. But I there's hope there. There's hope with this. Oh pick. for sure. Yeah. Oh, and I think I think and, and Golden State fans believe this too. Uh, you know, go on Sam S. Fondiari's uh, twitter he believes that they are like he, he put their over under for trades this season at one and a half like he is really thinking that this team is going to make a move which makes sense because they do need help but they are in prime position to make a move if they want to and if they do if they can upgrade that team in any way because watching that fourth quarter there are still guys on that team where i'm like how are they playing on the warriors
2: <laughs> i know man
3: if they can upgrade like one or two of those bench spots just to regular NBA guys, I think the pick is assured. Like I I would if they can just get two more guys in their bench rotation, I would feel great about getting that pick from them. They're not that far away.
2: No. No, it would be great. I mean, look where the Sixers are with with their pick from the Thunder. Like that's one of like the only things they're like outside of like having Embiid and Simmons is Tyrese Maxey's been really pretty fun for them, and Mike Muscala gifted them that. He did. He just handed them this gift of Tyrese Maxey, and so the, the Thunder may may get that a, a similar gift, uh, hilariously from Steph Curry <laughs> to the Thunder, which just seems wrong. But you know, I don't know enough about this draft to say who at twenty the Thunder should be targeting. But I think that if the Thunder do start losing just a crap ton of games, which I think will happen in the next two months, then uh, like our coverage will definitely shift quite a bit um, over to that. Because if the Thunder do have a chance to get somebody at like four, 11 and 20, I mean, we'll have to know the whole first round. We'll have to know all 50 guys. And they have the Wolves uh, second round pick. Which yeah. which could be like the 30 it'll be in the high it'll be in the low 30s like they could have the 30 second pick in the draft as
3: well um
2: and, and, and when you yeah go ahead i was
3: gonna say when you talk about trading up like that type of a second round pick is much more valuable like if you did have a package that was like 10 20 and 33. Yeah, like that's a pretty compelling package to a team who's at like five or six who maybe doesn't love anyone and could maybe just move back to 10 and get someone else. Yeah, well, the Thunder
2: have their they have the Nuggets second round pick, which will probably end up being in like the high 40s. Uh, but they have their own second round pick. They have the second round pick of the Wolves. So they could have like two picks in the 30s, a pick at 20, a pick at, at around 10, 11, 12, and then their, and then their own pick.
3: And frankly, they have to consolidate some of those picks. Otherwise, we're going to be drafting a bunch of Vits. Vit Kretsch, Kretschky. <laughs> yeah, like, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Vit
2: Kretschke. Yeah, yeah. You're right. They they're not they're not going to draft at all of those spots. They just won't. They just won't I, do it.
3: I don't know if they can. I mean, I guess they could do some draft and stash. But at some point, you're going to have to be getting rid of valuable guys on your roster just to make spots. So they, they gotta squeeze these up.
2: Yeah, I think they I think they will. And if they can even grab like another pick in the first round. What
3: <laughs> for George what Hill? More, what more do you want? Dude, I want it all. What man. are we gonna do with all these picks?
2: Dude, you can I mean the the Thunder have been in this position before where I they don't want to get
3: Danny Anged.
2: <laughs>
3: I want to get Danny Anged.
2: I'd love to have a team that had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum right now, <laughs> along with Marcus Smart. Well, yeah, those
3: picks I'm less worried about.
2: Yeah. Um and Sam Sam has learned a lot. I feel like Sam has had to learn a lot through his first stint. You know. But yeah, I think it just gives you it just gives you more options. Like if they trade with the Nets and they end up with the 23rd pick or whatever, then you can package those to like trade up to 12, maybe, you know, with the team that's right. So exciting stuff. I mean, it really is when you just take away the season and if things do go poorly, which I think that they're set up to go pretty poorly, that it's, it becomes pretty exciting, pretty fast for this team, uh, with the NBA draft and the off season. So and the thing nope. is, like some people are like hate the tanking stuff, and I I get it. Like you want your team to win, that's great. Here's the thing, is that the people that want to tank, it means that they want their team to win at the highest level. The Thunder are executing this so they can win at the highest level. Sure, you want to win forty five games, that's cool. You should go be a fan of another team because that's not what the Thunder want. The Thunder want to win. At the highest level, they want to win more than you do. Guys that hate tanking, they want to win a lot more than you do. Like having to lose pains the Thunder organization. Like they hate it, and they know that fans hate it. But the thing is that it's this—you endure this pain to get to a higher level. That's just the—that's the entire point of all of this. Is that you want to win at a level that's higher than just trying to get into the eighth seed.
3: Yeah. And I, and, and I sympathize with those fans, but the, 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 my favorite kind of like subplot of this, and I see it all the time is like, we'll point out one team that tanked and was successful. Like that really tanked. And I'm always racking my brain. You know, I'm thinking of the Sixers or I'm thinking of like the Spurs with David Robinson, but I always forget that like the thunder are the best example of this. The do absolute it. best example. Now it, it didn't feel like tanking to us because one of those years happened in Seattle, but that was a two year, arguably three year tank. And we, we all know what happened. And yeah. like, They've already done it. Like they did it before. They did this exact same thing. We just didn't realize it in the moment because everything else was so new. We weren't thinking long term. We weren't really thinking about team building. We didn't know in that way. We, yeah, we did it. We didn't know the NBA like that. Right.
2: Like I rooted for teams that Shaq was on growing up.
3: Like smart. Perpetually
2: <laughs> they were just the teams that were in the title hunt every single year. And so like that's the NBA that I knew, right? Like that's, and so when the, the Thunder team got here with all these fun young players, like oh this is cool, like man they really suck, like they never <laughs> win any, they never win at all. I remember like being excited when they won a game. I think they beat the Raptors at home after like this long stretch of just losing so much. It's like oh that's great they won. If if I had you know known then what I know now, I'd have been like crap. Can't believe they lost. they won that game. That sucks. That's terrible. We want to. We want to get Blake Griffin.
3: <laughs> it is funny to think about how we would have covered this team if we had had a podcast back then.
2: <sighs> I'm so glad we didn't. Yeah, I'm so glad sure. that we're protected from that.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough we had a podcast like within the last six years, but
2: dude, I know, I know, it is, it is bad. I, I'm embarrassed to to listen to some of the stuff that we said uh, a while ago. Um, shoot. Uh, thanks so much everybody for listening to our show. Sorry for the technical difficulties uh, in the the middle of this, but uh, we appreciate you guys. hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday. Be sure to go to the slash down to dunk to get the athletic for 399 a month. It's an outstanding deal. So please go do that. follow Alex on Twitter Al Baby cakes follow me on Twitter Andrew K. Schlecht and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.